0: When it comes to sustainability and profitability of your business, if you're not being inclusive of black, brown, indigenous, and people of color, it will get to a point where they are the global majority. In fact, research is now telling us that people of color are now what they're, we've been referred to as people of the global majority. So what then happens five, six, seven, ten years from now when you're running your business, and you've kind of hit a wall where you're like oh hang on we need to change our strategy here because we're we've only been serving ourselves we've only been serving white people and there's a lack of representation
1: welcome to socialette i'm your host steph taylor As a launch strategist and digital marketer, I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way while building a seven-figure online business. If you're an overwhelmed business owner struggling to scale while also keeping your clients happy, this podcast is for you. Join me as I share actionable advice for creating an online business that feels good and brings you so much joy. Are you on the list to get my daily biz boosters? Every day, I'll send you a bite-sized prompt that is designed to help you grow your business in a more intentional way. Sign up at stephtaylor.co slash dbb or at the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome back to Social Let. This is episode 532. Today, we are talking about inclusivity, especially from a racial standpoint. And I'm really excited to bring Annie Gishuru, who is a diversity, equity and inclusion coach and consultant for online entrepreneurs. She is the founder of Uplifting Studios, which is a platform dedicated to supporting online business owners to build racially equitable businesses so they can be intentionally inclusive. Today, we are talking about why so many of us feel uncomfortable and sometimes even afraid about doing racial equity and inclusion work in our businesses, and in particular, speaking out when we see or hear injustices. We're talking about the real impact that not being intentionally inclusive can have on your business, as well as some steps that you as a business owner can start to take to ensure your business is intentionally inclusive. And then lastly, we're talking about how we as course creators, group program hosts, membership creators can ensure that our programs are more inclusive. Annie is just the most wonderful human. Uh, there's just something about Annie's energy that I loved when I was interviewing her. And I know that you as a listener are going to love her as well. So without further ado, here is Annie Gishu. Welcome, Annie. I'm so excited to have you here on Socialette. Thank you so much for reaching out and for asking to be on the show and for giving me such great uh, topics to run with. Now, um, before, we, before we kick off the real meat and potatoes of the show, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and how you ended up being a diversity, equity and inclusion coach. Sure.
0: Firstly, thank you so much. Steph for having me. I'm so excited. I listen to your podcast literally almost every day. So it's such an honor to be here. Um, So my story goes a little bit back to when I first moved to Australia over 20 years ago as an international student. I was excited to, you know, um, leave Kenya <laughs> and and be here and, and kind of start life on my own. And uh, the idea was to get into the media. Um, I've always loved anything to do with television and media. And so I was studying that and got an opportunity to do um, work experience with one of the leading uh, television stations here in Australia. And I got in, I loved it. I was given the opportunity to return. But because there wasn't anybody who looked like me, Steph, for sounded like me, I second guessed myself. And I thought there's no way me as a black migrant woman could possibly make it in television in Australia, despite the opportunity. And so I went back to uni, did a master's degree in something totally different, human resource management, and ended up doing that. Um, But it wasn't until many, many years later, becoming a mom for the first time, that I felt I needed to do more um, in that space and felt really called to share more of our stories, um, positive stories, and, and in particular stories of <clears throat> migrants of color. And so I started doing that a little bit. In the process, I became a life coach. And started supporting migrant women of color to rise, um, in their careers with my background from HR. And it wasn't until the, the murder of George Floyd that I really felt called to step into this work of diversity, equity and inclusion. Having had that background in corporate, it was very much DNI and it was more to do with gender and disability, but there wasn't ever the, you know, race. If anything, what we did was more cultural awareness from an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspective. But the issue of race was always that elephant in the room that nobody quite addressed. And being a Black migrant, I know how that feels in corporate spaces, but also in social gatherings where most of the times I have found myself to be the only one. And so when I saw that gaping gap in our industry, the coaching and personal development industry, I felt called and I felt like this is something that I can uh lend my voice to. And it's something as a certified coach, I can support other coaches in the online space. And so the opportunity and went, uh dived in w- with a course called Representant. And, um, it's just been really an amazing journey of seeing the people who have wanted to have that transformational journey of understanding how they can be more inclusive in their businesses.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think most of our listeners understand why it's important to build that inclusive business. But I'd love to hear a little more in your words, why you think it's a non-negotiable in some ways. Hmm.
0: You know, we live in a country, first and foremost, Australia, that is really multicultural, you know, but when we look at the leadership positions, when we look at the people who are um, influencing and people in power, we're not seeing that inclusion. We're not seeing that diversity. And so what that means, Tech, is that people's voices are being left out. When you can't see yourself represented, when you cannot see... um you know, somebody who looks like you or even um, making decisions that concern you, it makes you feel potentially less than, you know, I take it back to my personal story of not seeing anyone who looked like me in the media back then, you know, almost 20 years ago and thinking that I couldn't do it. So it really gives a picture of if if you cannot see it, you cannot be it. And so the, the reason why representation is so important and why we should be talking about this is because we need to include all of us, who we are as human beings, into how we're doing business. And I think particularly in our industry, our coaching industry, we've got it into spaces where we're only serving people who look like us. And it might be consciously or unconsciously. And when you do get conscious, you begin asking, how did I even get you didn't realize I was doing this. How can I do better in terms of including others who will be ideal clients for sure, but potentially come from different backgrounds, don't look like me? And so that's where we are at. That's where we are faced. And, um, you know, in order for you to really grow a sustainably profitable business, you need to be inclusive because you're potentially leaving money at the table because you haven't included certain people.
1: And I think the challenge lies, and I know certainly like this for me has been the case that even though we have good intentions, there's so much discomfort, so much fear around doing that racial equity, that inclusion work. Where do you think
0: this fear is coming from? I think it's how it's been packaged, you know, especially how we, 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 we really do take our beat from the US. We look at how things are going and, you know, if the U.S. sneezes, you know, we catch a point. <laughs> and I'm sure you have a thing somewhere. Uh, and, and so when we see how things are, um, in, in, other parts of, of the world and, and the, the issue to do with the race is so uncomfortable because of what it means to be a racist. When you think of somebody who is a racist, it is somebody who is um, who is just, that is probably the worst thing you could tell a white person, that they are yeah. particularly racist because when you think of racism and racist, you think of the Ku Klux Klan, you think of, you know, people who are extremists and neo-Nazi types and, you know, um, bad people, people who we say are bad. And so it is a very uncomfortable subject because it makes white people feel like, um, but I'm not that, you know, I'm not that. And the issue with, with race and racism is not so much, I am not a racist, but it is when you are in situations where you observe injustices or things that are unfair and not just, when you stay silent... There's no way that you can say that you are anti-racist because being anti-racist means to speak up. And so why this, this, this discussions are very uncomfortable is because we don't talk about them. It's the big elephant in the room, the no goes on, oh, I don't want to offend you, you know, we're all the same, I don't see color, yet I do see color. They've been brought up to think that, you know, it's wrong to point out differences, first and foremost and then the issue of race is just one where you just don't want to go there because you don't have the language, you don't know where to begin and so it becomes a subject that is uncomfortable, sticky yet necessary but nobody wants to go there.
1: Yes. Oh, that I can resonate with that a lot and I know personally for me the fear, a lot of that fear and that un- that discomfort has come from Well, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I accidentally offend somebody? Yeah. And I know we'll talk a little bit more, I suppose, about specific language and specific steps to make sure that our business is being inclusive shortly in the, in today's uh, chat. But I'd love to know, like, what are some steps that you would suggest for somebody who wants to start being more inclusive, but is afraid? Like where, where can they start to overcome that fear?
0: Um, the fear as well stems from the fact that you've probably witnessed other people make mistakes and get caught mm. in a way that just leaves you feeling, I could not do this. You know, I, I I do not want that happening to me. And so I also feel that within the DEI space, there has been so much frustration and so much, um, like, can't you see and the urgency to do, you know, to get into this work. But at the same time, I feel because of that approach, sometimes a lot of well-meaning um, white people who want to do this work feel very deterred. Like, uh, I, I know nothing, but I really want to come to the table. But I am so afraid of how the reception—you know, how I will be perceived and received. And I suppose the best way to begin this work is to really begin to analyze where am I in this journey and what I, I I say doing a personal and a business audit to find out, you know, who are the people that I consume information from? The podcasts that I listen to? Who are they? Are they just white people? The people that I follow on social media? Are they just people who look and sound like me? Um, where I'm putting my dollar, whose courses am I buying? Whose books? Am I reading or listening to? What shows am I watching? That Reading from just a personal standpoint and perhaps a business standpoint lets you know who you're allowing into your life, who you are learning from. And who you learn from is who then it creates a pattern for you in how you you do things. And if there isn't um, you know, a group of people that you're learning from who are diverse and different from you, particularly from a race perspective. Being inclusive becomes very, very difficult because all you are taking in is all that you are. You don't know what you don't know. And so once you begin to explore other authors, explore people who are putting on courses that are not necessarily white, but within the realm of the work that you're interested in, you'll begin to see different ways of doing things. And this is where inclusivity comes in, inclusive language, inclusive behaviors that influence and and begin to change the way you do things in your business and in your life. But beginning this work, it really has to come from a personal perspective. Where people get it wrong is trying to, you know, how can I make my business more inclusive? Can I, you know, um, put a scholarship here and there? But you're getting it all wrong. That's not the order of events. It really starts from you and that personal, um, work of how did I even get here? My upbringing, what school did I go to? Where, where, where is the disconnect? And why does this make me feel so uncomfortable? Is it something that I've witnessed or seen or heard or read? And doing that, that digging. And then um, you know, applying material where you know, reading and getting to understand a little bit more of the subject matter that is uncomfortable. Ooh,
1: that's so good. <laughs> oh wow, mic dropped just there because yeah. I think um for so many of us we almost think it's like like you said, it's that, that band-aid of um starting to follow the right people or um and and promoting those people rather than really wanting and
0: inside looking at yourself. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're getting it. You're getting it, Steph, because – what, what where I'm seeing, especially as a coach and an educator in this space, is a lot of mass consumption. People are just consuming what's the best book any tell me, and they buy it either they read it or they don't it because it's too confronting, and you become this mass consumers of wanting to know the latest or listening to the people that they're following and just watching but not taking any action, you know, so we become mass consumers, but we are not. The change makers that we want to be. Mm. And that is where the disconnect is because there's so much. Let me catch up. Let me, I'm overwhelmed. It's too much, but nothing is connecting on a personal level for those little baby steps and changes to begin to take effect. Because once you get affected personally and start making changes, they begin to influence other areas of your life, yeah. including your business. And the, the amount of unlearning
1: that you would need to do in that process would be so uncomfortable because, you know, we don't like our brains aren't wired to take on information that goes against the beliefs that we already have. So to suddenly be,
0: yeah,
1: to be confronted with these, this new information, that's a really uncomfortable process to go through.
0: Yeah. Uh, extremely uncomfortable i'll give you an example mm. if i may stand yes please um, yesterday i was i was hosting um a master class which was a group coaching session and one of the women had shared a win and she's like you know i was applying for my daughter to go to a certain you know um extracurricular activity and what i loved was how inclusive the form was it wasn't just asking about date of birth and and, and, and all those things it was asking about the child's you know how they identified by their background, their pronouns, you know, asking about their mental well-being and, and a, any other things that might get in the way of them participating in, in programs that they have and so on. And she she got so excited and she's like, this is so inclusive. I love how they're doing this. I, I want to look at ways in which my coaching business, I can begin to have such, such application forms. And, and I, I said, look, their pros and cons to this absolutely looks great. Uh, And sounds great from an inclusive perspective, but I also want you to think about how that looks like from somebody who holds a marginalized identity, because what that means when you begin to ask me to identify myself and what my background is, because of the historical concept of exclusion and oppression, you begin to question, so why are they asking me this? Is it because that so that I may not get that opportunity? Or is it, what's the reason when you're not clear of why you're asking the question for somebody who has been marginalized, it raises eyebrows of why do you Mm -hmm. want to know my background? Because when I identify in a certain way, it, it has barriers connected to it. Mm. And she had not looked at it that way. And she was like, Oh my goodness. Growing up when people had to identify themselves in on forms, you know, as coming from maybe Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, my parents always thought of that as an advantage. Like they get to do that and they get extra advantages. And that was a misunderstanding. And so she, you could see the realization in her face and in her eyes. And she was, she was like, wow those are the things that we've been led to believe that when you identify as somebody with a marginalized identity you're getting an advantage
1: mm-hmm. that's so, oh that's that's such an interesting one because I would never have thought of it like that and I'm sure most of the listeners never ever would have thought of it from that perspective
0: yeah and so it's little things like that that you you kind of think you know or you're doing the right thing, but without having the context or the understanding, you know, and there's nothing wrong with putting a form like that, but just give context. Why are you asking for this? The reason why I'm asking is because we normally have opportunities for such and such groups that will help you, you know, dig deeper or perform better or, you know, specific um, support um, because we know that it's not a level playing field. It's not equitable. So we're trying to, you know, support you in an equitable way. Then you go, Oh, okay. I will let you know my background. But before that, I don't know what you're going to use it for. And so, you know, it's, it's little things like that that take a lot of work and understanding. To get to a point of truly being, and it's a lot like lifelong journey. You never get to get, get it all. Even I myself, with the work that I do and the research that I've done, I'm constantly learning stuff. Yeah,
1: well, I'm I'm really curious. That segues beautifully into something that one of the main questions I really wanted to ask you, which was, where are some of those areas that? business owners, you know, like myself, mm-hmm. uh, where, where are those areas that we're going wrong? Like, where are we not being intentionally inclusive? Where are we not using inclusive language? What are the common ones that you see?
0: Um, when I think the common mistake, I, I would probably approach it from the desire to want to correct so to speak, okay. and I'm putting my thing as it quotes here. Um, because your business doesn't look like it's diverse enough and it looks too white, so to speak, and you want to attract more people of color, uh there's this tendency to, I need to put a scholarship real quick because accessible pricing is what is holding people of color back. So you already you've made the assumption that people of color may not be able to afford you. And so you're going to um put a scholarship program in place. And whilst that might affect some of, you know, people of color, it's not all of us. There are people who would comfortably pay for your program, but you're coming at it from a lens of it's a money issue. And then you create that scholarship program. People come in, people coming into that program, but you cannot hold space for them. Because you haven't done the work of educating yourself and understanding this, the, the barriers, the challenges, the setbacks. And so you cannot hold space for me because you haven't done the understanding. You're not even in this work. And so when you wonder why I'm so quiet in your mastermind, when you wonder why I'm not performing as the others might be performing in the mastermind, and then why maybe I'm not showing up as regularly, um, is because... You don't understand that I am battling other issues of uh, a system that has held people of color back. And so there's a barrier. But when you understand your, you, you pay attention, you, you're concerned when I'm not contributing, you're, you're, you trying to understand what, what's getting in the way and how can I best support you? You're more engaged. And so slapping a scholarship and hoping for the best and saying we had five people come through the program, but what difference did it make to them? Were they able to, for example, launch that course scale or whatever it is that they need to do as effectively as others in the group who may not have those barriers and challenging? So it, it gets a little bit complex when you haven't done the work. And so what I would advise people who are looking to to do the right thing, to use the right language, to um, to try to be as inclusive as they can, is to start educating themselves. Find an educator who, and and we've been given so many, particularly at the height of when this whole racial pandemic came to the fore and just the realization of just how much, um, you know, separation there is. Oh, there was a lot of educators being shared on social media. Have you gone beyond share? Are you just following them? Have you landed on their websites and even, you know, consumed some of their freebies to begin with? Have you then gotten onto their mailing list so that you're keeping up to date? You know, I'm on your mailing list stuff. So I'm, 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 I'm receiving things telling me, you know, what's happening on social media and the changes that are coming on and so on. I'm keeping myself informed. That's how I'm staying, you know, either ahead of the curve or at least in the, in the know. How are you keeping yourself informed as it comes to matters of diversity, equity and inclusion? If you're not plugged into a source. There's no way I can consume one of your freebies. stuff and saying that's enough. I'm just going to be this launch magician, and 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 I'm cool. I've got to be plugged into the source. And so, what are some of those things that you can do that will not cost you money, but you're in the game. You're you're doing the work. You're listening.
1: Hmm. And I suppose it doesn't have to be. You don't have to be plugged into every source. It's just like learning anything new. You don't need to follow 20 different people, Mm -hmm. but just pick one person who you trust and who you resonate with and learn from them.
0: And the thing is, there are so many. It's not like, oh, there's only two and I don't resonate with them. There are just so many. You could pick one or two here and just run with that. And the issue that people get is that there's too many. I'm, I'm too confused. One educator said this, another said that. I don't know. what What is the true thing to do? What's the right thing? And I think as it comes to life, you know, there isn't so much right or wrong. But for you as a human being and your values... And the things that are important to you, um, what is it that gravitates? What, what is it that is pulling you to that, you know? Um, and not so much being somebody who's just what are the influencers saying, or this is what we should be doing, this. this is what, you know, apply some form of critical thinking for yourself as well, even though these are matters that are uncomfortable that you're not familiar with. You know, bring in the humanness to your learning and create, be critical about things and ask questions. But don't drop your humanity for the sake that's an influencer and something and that's what it is. And it's the go and be all of everything.
1: Yes. And again, like I'm thinking about what you said about how some people, you know, might just slap a scholarship on. Again, it's that Band-Aid approach. That people are taking when they should be taking that, that deeper approach, starting with themselves yeah. and then starting to really genuinely learn. Now I'm, I'm really curious. What is that first step that somebody can take to become a genuine ally? Like if they want, we've talked about, you know, starting to identify within yourself where the, those, what those beliefs are, where they're coming from, starting to learn. What's that first action after that, that somebody can take?
0: Um, Once you begin to consume content and you've kind of plugged into some sources that, that you love, the next step would be, I would love to be in a container where I can ask questions because so much is coming up. You see the thing with a book or a podcast or you know, a TED talk or whatever it is that you're you're consuming. You can't ask questions, but when you get yourself into a container like you know a course or a mastermind or you know a membership, you have the opportunity to then ask questions from the person the educator the coach and and there's all there's often that question that I'm asked is um you know uh, I don't want to offend by asking a question because we've been told that we shouldn't be asking people of color to educate it that we should educate ourselves. This is the beauty of joining a program, because then you are paying to be educated. So it's taking it that step further of if I want to do better and dig deeper and have a better understanding and ask questions, you know, going into um, a group membership where you're also surrounded by others like you who are doing this work and are asking questions and you're learning from each other. But you're also, you know, forming, um, you know, a community of, of like hearted business owners who want to do better, who are being inclusive. And it
1: becomes an excess. Mm, I like that, like-hearted. But so this is the thing. So what I observe, and I'm sure you see this as well, is a lot of business owners prioritize spending money on things that are urgent mm-hmm. but not important. They might prioritize, you know, spending money on Facebook ads or on the things that are glitzy and shiny that might make the money, but probably won't. <laughs> But what would you say um, to someone who likes that idea of working in that container, but says that it's not a priority
0: to spend that money right now? You know, the thing is, it might not seem like it's a priority right now, but the longevity of your business as you continue to do the grind and the daily activities of your business that are not inclusive, you will look back a few years from now and say, How did I get here? How did I miss something that was so important, but never deemed it important? Because, you know, this is not something that affects white people. It's something that you actually have to make time for. And here's the thing. When it comes to sustainability and profitability of your business, if you're not being inclusive of black, brown, indigenous and people of color, it'll get to a point where they are the global majority. In fact, research is now tending us that people of color are now what they're, we've been referred to as people of the global majority. So what then happens five, six, seven, ten 10 years from now when you're running your business and you've kind of hit a wall where you're like, oh, hang on. We need to change our strategy here because we're, we, we've only been serving ourselves. We've only been serving white people. And there's a lack of representation and we're also getting to that point, especially as you see, like with, um, speaking engagements where people are getting called and they're like, Hey, hang on. This is an all white panel. What is going on? We need more. It's going to get like that with business. It's going to get like that with our courses, with our, um, online businesses where people are like, hang on. All your testimonials are white. What's going on? Do you just have white people? And you're like, no, no, I don't. But. You've got to get into this work and it takes time. It's not worth that you can rush. So when you get six, seven years from now and you're like, we need to do this work, you will be so far behind because it takes time to grow into this. It's, it's more, it's a life decision and it takes time to grow into inclusivity. It's not a, a light switch. It takes time. And so there's never been a better time like now when, so to speak, it's not head news. You know, not when everybody's rushing to, to kind of get educated for that bit and then move on until there's another, you know, tragedy. This is the time to do the work when it's quiet, when it's not, you know, seemingly, um, as, as, as urgent. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I love that. And sort of pivoting a little bit, I guess, towards, um, programs, courses, you mentioned masterminds a little bit there, memberships. <laughs> When somebody's putting together a program, and it might even be, I guess, it could even be a one-on-one coaching program, but what are some things that they need to be aware of that might make that program not inclusive?
0: Yes. So one of the things, and it's something that I've been teaching in the recent weeks, is having an inclusion statement. You know, having an inclusion statement that really shares the kind of your values It talks about the people that you serve. It talks about what's important to you. It even might like, talk a little bit about your journey to getting here. How did you get here to being inclusive and wanting to be of service to people who come from diverse backgrounds and not just from a, a race perspective, but also from those who identify as, you know, LGBTQIA plus, you know, um uh, from those who are non-binary, those who may have disabilities and those who may have different religions that, you know, that you're having a statement that talks about the things that you value and how in, the kind of inclusive leader that you are seeking to be or are working towards being, that in many ways allows people who come from a marginalized identity to go like, hey, there's something different about Steph. I I, I didn't know that about her. Um, I want to take a step closer to her and I'm going to be paying attention. And the next time something is being launched, I, I think I'm going to take that on board because I can just feel the vibe here about how genuine and inclusive she is because inclusive, inclusion statements are very vulnerable. You're sharing maybe where you've gone wrong and you're sharing about how you want to do better and the kind of world that you the kind of people in the kind of world that you want to be a part of. And so, um, that's something I generally see people not knowing. To include, so when I don't see that, I don't know. There's nothing to let me know that about your inclusivity or where you stand as it pertains to serving somebody like me. Like even when it goes to um, things like finding for me, like a photographer, I was saying I don't know. Do you do you take photographs? of people have? I had a look on your website, and I'm just asking. I'm up. and she's like, oh my goodness, I do, I do. So there wouldn't be an issue with writing or anything like that. Like absolutely not. I I I would love to photograph you because I've had issues where people have fun like I don't have the right lighting and I'm like oh, oh I didn't think about that or going into a makeup store and they go like we don't have the shade for your skin like um maybe next time bring your own foundation <gasps> yes yes mm-hmm. Wow. so sometimes you you know um so now I've had to do my homework if I'm going somewhere to speak for an event and you know I have to fly there I will have a look around. I will do my homework. I will get in touch. Hey, I'm a black woman. Do you do? Oh my God. Yeah, you don't have to answer that. I'm like, I have to, because it's been my lived experience of facing those things. No, no, we're absolutely that. And sometimes you don't even have to ask a question because you can see the representation on websites. You can see how they're talking about it and saying that we serve all people. like, that has saved me asking that question. So those are some of the things that I see, you know, potentially going wrong where people are one-to-one services or whatever, but they're not saying that they are of, that they're that inclusive person, that they are of service to, you know, people from different backgrounds.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. I hadn't even thought of an inclus- inclusivity or inclusion statement. Yeah, t- they're game changers.
0: Though- they are In the same way we do acknowledgement of country. The same way we acknowledge that the land that we live on you know our traditional um uh, land owners the same way that we do that that kind of goes hand in hand. You can extend that further to talk about you know the kind of business that you're building and how inclusive that you want it to be
1: oh that's that's so important and how can we start so that's one way that we can start to attract people of color into our programs, but for many of us we've Naturally, and probably because of the reasons that you've just mentioned, we've probably not attracted that many people of color into our programs previously. So it's not like we can include testimonials yeah. or photos or anything like that. So for somebody in that position, how
0: can they start to attract more people of color in? I think it it, it really begins from, you know, building your network. Have a look at your Instagram. Who are you following? Again, if you're only following people who look like you, chances are those are the people that you're going to connect with. But if you are widening your network, like the way I'm reaching out to you, I'm reaching out to Steph. and saying, hey, Steph, I love your podcast. I think I would offer great value. I'm reaching out to somebody totally different from me, but I know what I have to offer is of value to you. It's, it's that, that's how you build relationships. A lot of my business connections have happened through social media, in particular Instagram, you know, being able to slide into somebody's DMs and introduce yourself and say, this is what I do. And it takes a lot of courage. But at the same time, you're getting out of your comfort zone and you're widening your network. Because when I first came here, all my friends were black, you know, the, the the international students that I was hanging around with. But it it had to get to a point where I had to get out of my comfort zone and put myself out there and build friendships. And it's going back to those basic steps, going back to the basics of how can I build um, authentic relationships? Who am I following? How can I expand my my reach? how 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 can I make my network more diverse? That's where it starts from. And then when you begin to put your offers out there, you can go, there's so many people who come to me and say, hey, Annie, um, you know, I've got this going on. Do you know anybody within your network who this would be a, a good? And I'm like, yep, I know a couple of people. I'll connect you. But it's because I have a relationship with you and I know you're doing the work that you've been a student of mine or a client of mine, and I'm able to go back to my peeps and say, hey, this person has this. I know this would be something that you would want to do for your mindset and so on and so forth. I can vouch for this person. I reckon, you know, you go, go ahead and connect and see how you go from there. I've made that connection, but that came from somebody who I had a relationship with. So that's how it starts. It goes back to the basics of simple building relationships. When you go for networking events, don't just stick to the people you know. Expand, move around the rooms, talk to people you probably wouldn't talk to. And that's how you begin to expand and attract people of color because of how open you are and, and, and how, you know, it starts from a friendship perspective, really. And that's also, you know, that's also good
1: Business skills is building that network and it's challenging. I mean, many of us started our businesses because we got to hide behind our laptops. We didn't want to put ourselves out there. We didn't want to, we didn't want to interact with real people, but it is one of those things that can really make a huge difference is getting out there and building those relationships and being a good human. I think that's underrated. Like not enough people talk about how important it is to just be a exactly. good human and not focus on people as followers but focusing on them as real people
0: absolutely and when you look at you know the people who have really made it big time the influences that we've had in our world you know people like Ellen DeGeneres and the Oprah's when you look at their audience I mean how diverse are they we're talking about people from all sorts of backgrounds and it's not because they focused on people who just look like them you know Oprah didn't just You know, cater to the the black folks. Like she was pretty open to everyone, and it continues to be. And so is Ellen, and and so on. So when you look at those big, big platforms, and you can see that how is it that people are able to connect, even though these two women are so different, yet they're such good friends. You know, it it starts from somewhere. It starts from those basic skills of, of of just building a friendship, being interested in somebody else who looks different from you and potentially not asking the question. So where are you from? And don't get me into that, because that's that whole yeah. subject. But um, that's where you starts from.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. So
0: actually, on that,
1: on that topic, that's just raised another question, like what's some kind of language or some, that's, that's obviously one question not to ask. What mm-hmm. other, what other words should we not use? What questions shouldn't we
0: ask, particularly in a business context? In a business context, one of the things that makes me cringe that I, when I hear is when people say, you know, when I left my, you know, nine to five, you know, I was a slave to my nine to five. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just something that you stay really not thinking much about. But when you think on the context of slave and and enslavement and slavery and what it really means, you know, um, People who are in those positions where there are slaves don't have a choice. That is not something they can get out of, you know. Um, and so using language so, so loosely and, and not really understanding the impact, you can leave. You're not a slave to your nine to right? five. Um, and if you got made redundant, you would find another way out or whatever. You're not a slave. So it's language like that um that I hear often. And I it just makes me cringe because not really understanding the impact of, of, of those words. Again, words like tribe, using tribe and not fully understanding, you know, that the context of what a tribe is and how it's used. And, and, and it's not necessarily just, you know. A tribe is anyone. There's a, there's a distinct, um, definition of what that is. Or so saying, Hey Queen, yes, or, you know, using those sort of African American colloquial, um, slang kind of English to, to, to either be cool or because it's a trend. Sometimes it becomes not trendy and it becomes offensive because for those who speak that way, That becomes a barrier for them or your English is not, you know, white enough. It's it's quite black. That means that maybe you're not educated enough, right? So that's a barrier for them. But when you as a white person use it, it's hip, it's cool. It now becomes, you know, a trendy thing. So see how the imbalance of power there is there. So it becomes a power structure there. Um, and I, and I dive into this in my inclusive language guide, you know, the do's and don'ts of of that inclusive language, which is a free guide available. So yeah, when I talk about more words and the, the alternative words to use and just being aware of how fluid language is, what we're using today may not be acceptable in a few years time because of just becoming more aware and the impact that has on, on certain, you know, communities and particularly those who are marginalized. Absolutely.
1: And we'll link to the free guide in the show notes. And I think I think something that I, I think this was like the what you, what you were getting at there was a lot of it is we don't even know better. A lot of the time we're using these words and we don't know better. And it's not until Maybe somebody gets called out or somebody makes a comment about how offensive it is that we realize, oh, actually that maybe that wasn't the right way to say it. I'm going to end with, it's probably quite a broad question, but if somebody is in that situation where either they've been called out or somebody's made a comment about it, how can they, um, how can they address that mistake?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, let me start by saying this. I advocate for calling in rather than calling out. I think calling out is, you kind of have the expectation that the person should have known what you know. Mm. know, When you know something and you're like, how could you do that? And maybe the person sincerely did not know. So we are treating somebody with this kind of, like, you know what I know, this is offensive, you shouldn't have done that. And you call them out. And what happens when you call out people, it makes them defensive. They do not have the capacity at that point in time when you're coming at them to take accountability and responsibility. But when you call in somebody, you're saying, hey, you know what you said, this is what it means and this is how it came across and this is the impact on what you said and I know the person that you are, this is not what you subscribe to. I know you are a person who wants to do better and be better. When you come at it from that perspective, somebody is able to go like, "Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I, I messed up, and I, I, I should know better, and, and I will do better." So when you make a mistake, what I encourage people to do is offer grace. Offer grace to the person who's made who's made a mistake, because we need everybody in this journey, in this movement, in this work of building inclusivity and making people feel, you know, part of this, this movement. And so the thing is, rather than calling out, call them in. And when you are called in or when you're called out, you know, have the grace to say, to listen, to listen and just take it in and, and apologize, you know, and sometimes you may not be quick to apologize. Maybe you just need some time to just let it sink in. But, um, you know, just, just listen, just be quiet. Because when you start going back and forth, that's when things get a little bit messy and, uh, and seek to do better. Maybe that's when you get in touch with a DEI coaching consultant and go like, Hey, I messed up here. In fact, that's how the relationship between my coach, my business coach, is a white woman. And she's amazing. But she had gotten called out for not being inclusive for an event that she had put out. And um, long story short, um we work together now. And she has been somebody who has learned from her missteps incredibly well.
1: Oh, Thank you so much, Annie, for sharing all of this with us today. You have been an absolute fountain of knowledge. Where can the listeners find out more from you? Tell us a little bit about your freebies, all of the magic that um, people can consume if they want to be in
0: Annie's world. Sure. So I spend most of my time on Instagram. My handle is uplifting studios TV, and you will find me sharing lots of client lessons. I'm always dropping some gems there in terms of lessons that have come up with, you know, talking with my clients. So you'll find that in my highlights. Um, I have two amazing freebies. One is 10 steps to becoming a genuine ally and advocate for people of color, which you can find again on my Instagram. And, um, you know, the inclusive language guide, the do's and don'ts of inclusive language, particularly for those who are in the online space. And of course, there is my online program uh, representing it is a space that I hold for people who are afraid of diving into this work and want to be held in a way that um, is with integrity, be held with grace, but also firmly uh, planted and, and inspired and motivated and, and given the courage to step in and do this work because we need absolutely everyone.
1: That's wonderful. We'll link to all of those in the show notes. Thank you again, Annie, for sharing your time with us today. And I hope to, you know, I hope to bring you back again someday to talk, dive even deeper into this because there's so much more that we can cover, right? There's just, it's like an endless topic and it's so important. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Steph.
0: It's been great chatting
1: What a superstar that Annie is. Now, from this episode, I'd love for you to go and think about two or three ways that you can implement what you've just learned from Annie. So two or three things that you can do in your business or in your personal life to learn a little bit more or perhaps to even make your program a little bit more intentionally inclusive or your business a little bit more inclusive. For me, that's going to be Learning a bit more and it's going to be working towards creating that inclusion statement for our brand. If you have any friends who you think would learn a thing or two from this episode, please do tell them about it. Hit the share button, copy the link, send it to them. And if you haven't already followed this podcast, hit the follow button or the plus in Apple podcasts and make sure you do that so that you get brand new episodes released to your podcast app every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time.